Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy. www.cheapastro.com And this is Private Space. As you are probably aware, Barack Obama, the US President of Irish descent, with an apostrophe lost somewhere along the way, good line, canned the previous administration's Constellation Programme which we had covered way back in Cheap Astronomy episodes 33 and 34. And that's fine. I mean, if we could be consulted in future, it was a double episode, you know. But look, it's fine. The Constellation program was, by and large, just an announcement tasking NASA to do something without committing much in the way of new funding. Essentially, this was a final-term precedent making an announcement and passing the whole issue of funding on to the next administration. And the next administration, with no more capacity than the last, just went, mmm, no. But that's not the end of the story. The next generation model for space travel is now private enterprise. Get that? Next generation enterprise? You know? The pending retirement of NASA's shuttle fleet after 30 years of flying was, after all, a logical point for generational change. So, the future will be about private enterprise, doing stuff directly for consumers, as well as providing services which the government can purchase from them. Both aspects of this seem like a good thing since it doesn't just mean the U.S. consumer or the U.S. government will purchase services. The whole thing has developed a much more global ownership. So, although a lot of commentary is about when and how the U.S. will get back into space, it's not just about the U.S. anymore. NASA is still in the game, of course, both with JPL's ongoing robotic exploration of the solar system and beyond... And President Obama did state that NASA would start developing a heavy-lifting rocket by 2015, although that may be a promise depending on the President's re-election in 2012. In terms of a visionary goal, Obama's soundbite was, 50 years after the creation of NASA, our goal is no longer just a destination to reach. Our goal is the capacity for people to work and learn, operate and live safely beyond the Earth for extended periods of time. Other aspirational goals he announced were a visit to an asteroid after 2025 and a Mars landing by the mid-2030s. But since these dates are long after he leaves office, they are about as definite as the Constellation program was. But we'll see. As aspirational goals go, these seem pretty sensible, since a presumably near-Earth asteroid mission is stretching our reach a bit without huge risk, and of course it might strengthen our capacity for asteroid defence if something wicked comes our way. And the underlying program objective of operating and living safely beyond the Earth for extended periods of time is something we are going to have to achieve before we seriously contemplate 
the at least seven-month journey to Mars. I mean, really, 2030 sounds wildly optimistic, given the technical and physiological challenges involved. But anyhow, just what is the private sector up to? Virgin Galactic is investing a lot in suborbital space tourism, with a spaceport under construction in New Mexico, and the White Knight 2 and Spaceship 2 system design nearly ready to go. Virgin also has future plans for orbital flights. And that's kind of a big step. A suborbital parabolic flight path, where you go up, come to an almost standstill, and then glide back down again, is certainly challenging, but you don't need a heat shield. With orbital flight, you go up, and you have to keep on going at a speed of around 30,000 kilometres an hour to stay in orbit. If you want to come back down again, the most efficient way is to use a heat shield. So you just break against the atmosphere. Otherwise, you'd have to burn a huge amount of fuel to slow down, which then adds to your launch weight. So you need more fuel to launch, and yada yada. So the step from suborbital to orbital is a big one, and Spaceship 2 won't be making it. Virgin Galactic is looking at collaborating with Sierra Nevada Space Systems on the Dream Chaser spacecraft. Essentially a space shuttle analogue, which would be launched vertically atop a rocket, carrying six people and a pilot into orbit and then re-entering the atmosphere and gliding into land just like the Space Shuttle did. Also jockeying for position in suborbital and maybe future orbital space are some IT geeks like XCOR Aerospace's CEO Jeff Greeson, a former Intel processor maker, and also John Carmack, the ID Software co-founder, think Doom and Quake, who founded Armadillo Aerospace. XCOR has plans for a rocket-launched two-seater Lynx spaceplane. Armadillo don't really have a spacecraft, but are developing rocket launch systems and might perhaps end up working with Space Adventures, the outfit that can get you aboard the Russian Soyuz spacecraft at least to go to the International Space Station. But if a private supplier can deliver a more robust rocket launch system than the Russians' current orbital-only rocket system, maybe the Soyuz can take tourists on a lunar flyby mission. Currently, Space Adventures really is the only outfit with genuine space tourist credentials, having already sent up six clients into orbit, and they have a seventh on their books. Arguably, they are just a broker for you to get on board a Russian launch, but if you go to their website and have a spare $150 million, you can just go ahead and sign up now. And they are already talking up the lunar flyby mission. And if you are a bit short of cash, with a mere five grand, Space Adventures can still get you on board one of those parabolic, weightless, vomit comet flights. And then there's SpaceX. 
set up by Elon Musk, co-founder of PayPal, SpaceX has already flown unmanned orbital flights, first with their Falcon 1 rocket, and then they orbited a 12-kilogram wheel of cheese with their Falcon 9 rocket. SpaceX is also developing the Dragon reusable crew vehicle, and NASA has announced that the combination Falcon 9 rocket and Dragon capsule combo will be the next generation solution to ferrying NASA astronauts and cargo to the International Space Station. The Dragon can potentially carry seven crew, though for long-haul flights it would probably just sit three or four, since it will need to carry more fuel. And what about those long-haul flights? SpaceX has plans for a Falcon Heavy Lifter rocket, which might lift twice the payload of a space shuttle. This Heavy Lifter rocket could launch the Dragon capsule, plus some additional rocket staging to enable it to blast out of Earth orbit and do a lunar flyby mission. Well, at least when it's built. And even though the Constellation launch system is gone, the Orion capsule is still alive and well. Although now it's called the Multi-Purpose Crew Vehicle, still being developed by Lockheed Martin with the aim of carrying four astronauts for up to three weeks. This is the spacecraft that might deliver on Obama's envisioned asteroid mission and sure, maybe even the Mars landing someday. The other player worth mentioning in this space, small astronomy joke there, is of course China, who can already get into orbit with the Shenzhou spacecraft, and they also seem to have their sights set on the moon. And if, like Bill Clinton once said, it's all about the economy, stupid, they might be the next ones to get there. Thanks for listening. This is Steve Nerlich from Cheap Astronomy, www.cheapastro.com. Cheap Astronomy offers an educational website where we're just waiting for that right moment to go public. No ads, no profit, just good science. Bye.